0: I drink it, get it, drink To Splat Attack, I am your host, Alex, and we are having a special conversation with episode uh, this season. This one I'm really, really excited about. I mean, I always get excited about doing these conversations anyway, but it was actually the conversation that I had with this, with our our amazing guest, that actually started this whole thing. And I had been teasing this for a little while, uh, and, and life happened, uh, but thankfully we're able to make this finally come to fruition. I'm very excited about it. So today we are going to, well, I am going to be talking with Jennifer Seahe from Groundhouse. Thank you so much for being here tonight.
1: Hi, Alex. I'm glad we're finally getting to accomplish our uh, conversation about many different A myriad and cornucopia of things at this thanksgiving time (laughs) Uh,
0: for those of you who don't know um we did an episode uh an episode review on roundhouse feminism earlier this year and uh which was not in this season it was our previous season and we had invited jennifer to be a part of it and she was unable to uh but she didn't say give me a call and i've got something that i'd like to talk with you about and uh there were some things that was going on in pop culture that was pretty heavy at the time and uh she said that she's got something she really wants to talk about we're going to get to that in this episode uh so this whole—it's a surprise
1: it's a surprise (laughs) it's a secret
0: (laughs) so this whole series really started because of uh, when you and I started talking, what, what was it, February when we were talking about this?
1: I feel like it's been almost. Wait, when did we do the 30 year reunion of Roundhouse?
0: Uh, that was, it was n- after
1: that that I think I might have contacted you about this.
0: Yeah, it was we did that uh late last year. No, uh, I think it was, I feel around- like it
1: was at least a year ago,
0: it was at least a year ago. It was right. about this time last year when when we were planning the feminism episode, and that's when yeah, I had. I could out. not do
1: it with you all. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And it was right after that when you had checked your schedule and you found that you were doing cons at the time, and that and that's when you said to reach out and and uh, converse right, with right. you. So yeah, I think it was about February, February or March when we started talking about this. And uh...
1: time goes so fast. Time is a thief, wow. Alex.
0: but uh and and i had pitched this uh idea to brett who all of you know uh by by now that he's no longer able to be a part of the podcast but he'll be back but this this uh, episode, he was very, very excited to talk about because this uh, a lot of what we're going to talk about is very near and dear to him as well. And uh, some of the questions that we have for Jennifer are also from Brett, and I'll make sure to point those out. But uh, just because we're we're all about '90s and uh, pop culture, we're going to have to tie it in the, to some degree to some of the properties that you've been a part of. So well, of course, of
1: course, of course. So of course, well, that's the, why we. That's why we're all here because of Nickelodeon.
0: That's right. Uh, so of course we got to start with Roundhouse so of course how did you get involved with Roundhouse
1: okay so a lot of people don't know this story and except maybe some of the cast members and probably Rita and Sean Daywalt so I lived in LA for you know a couple years and me and Sean Daywalt were friends and knew each other from doing like a theater vocal class okay and uh She had reached out to me and said, Jennifer, there's this project that I'm working on and I think you should come audition for it. Now, this was Roundhouse way early in the stages. They they didn't have a deal with any network. They were kind of workshopping the show. So I was in a uh, production of Me and My Girl from 1910 at the Grand Dinner Theater, which was an (laughs) equity show. I was in the chorus of that, Um, but I was contracted to finish out that show, which was probably like a three month run. So I went and auditioned for Roundhouse. I got the job, but I could not do it because I could not get out of my paying job. Roundhouse was not paying at that point. They were workshopping it. We knew Mm -hmm. it was going to be a cool, a situation in a cool project, but I couldn't leave what I was currently contracted for. So I was the original one that got offered the job to be the Crystal Lewis before Crystal Lewis. Wow! I think I'm pretty sure about this, and and nothing against Crystal Lewis, man. She's oh, awesome. No.
0: She's. Killer. I love
1: everybody that came before me. I had to turn it down, and to tell you the truth, I'm so pissed that I did. <laughs> But who, you know, when you're up and coming and trying to work your way and get jobs, you know, you gotta go where the money is. And I knew this was a really cool project. And Sean, I was so in love with Sean and we were great friends and I met Rita. I auditioned, my audition was great. I really wanted to do the project, but I couldn't. So I had to pass on it Mm -hmm. and, luckily and so amazingly it came back to me after crystal had to leave right and uh then i got to come on the show now hindsight 2020 you know maybe it was really meant to be that way maybe the universe was really meant wasn't meant for me to be there in the beginning okay and it's all i'm just grateful that i was still a part of it and what a life-changing experience it was to be on roundhouse it really was a bundle of fun and you know what an incredible cast and crew and tons of talent and lifelong friends I've made from that show.
0: It's awesome. That that reminds me of very because I'm I'm a huge James Bond fan and uh, that's actually the very situation that happened with Pierce Brosnan when when he was uh auditioning for the part of James Bond. Uh, and then he was doing Remington Steel at the time and And he couldn't
1: go and be James Bond, right? He couldn't go. I'm yeah. sure that there's many actors that have had this story that oh, yeah. probably could have been the person and someone else got to create that role of, like, you mm-hmm. know, I mean I think that every major series like Friends or, you know, uh the office or whatever, I'm sure that sometimes artists had to decline and maybe their their career would have gone on a different trajectory you know so i'm just grateful that it got to come back to me i got to do the one season and man what what an amazing show and so much fun and like dream come true
0: well uh as i had mentioned earlier brett did submit some questions uh one of the questions he submitted for uh, the only one he had for the roundhouse was uh, uh-huh. what what was the highlight episode of roundhouse where you told yourself i love being here and doing this
1: i don't think it's one episode i think the moment i stepped on that soundstage and got to be a part of that crew and cast that was already working i was like i've this is amazing. There's not one episode, everything about the show, every art director, every costumer, Rita and Buddy, my friends that, you know, I knew from uh, Sean and then all the new friends I made. It was just every part of it. Every every single part of it. Doing a live, you know, feed every Friday, getting my own parking space. I would drive into the lot of CBS Radford and Seinfeld was behind me one time because the show Seinfeld was, was filming on, like right next to us. Wow. So I thought, well, we have really made it, like we're nobodies compared to Seinfeld, the TV show, right? And I have my own parking spot with my white Jetta. I'm like nobody, right? <laughs> so we th- I thought, well, geez, I've really made it if I've got my own parking spot and there's uh, Jerry Seinfeld in his Porsche. So it, every second <laughs> of that experience was, just amazing and wonderful and unique. And, and you know, I've taken that experience with me in my whole career. 44 years I've been in the business now. Wow. Started out very young, age of 12, on Broadway in Annie. So I'm still going.
0: Who who were you in Annie?
1: I played Pepper, the bratty one. Typecasting.
0: casting. <laughs> oh, man, my son's going to love that. I was very
1: <laughs> sassy. And I, they didn't even need to tell me to act because it just naturally <laughs> flowed out of me. You know? <laughs> Molly Molly Ringwald was in our cast. Really? Yeah, she she wasn't Annie. She played, um, I forget, was it Tessie? I, think, I forget which orphan she played now because it's so long ago. Yeah. And um, she, we were, you know, she was in my our cast with us and she was the one that really, really, went on to do huge things you know Mm -hmm. huge amazing acting jobs and what what a thrill for her and we're all proud of her and we've all all of us that were orphans have all done either gone on to do other music or theater related things or just done really cool jobs in life so it was just all awesome
0: so cool well, going into uh, Roundhouse, because obviously you uh, you knew Sean prior to uh, yes. being a part of the cast, what was it like joining the cast whenever they were already close?
1: Right. So I think I felt very at home and very natural. You know, um, Crystal had left and, you know, I had to kind of fill really big shoes with Crystal because she's yeah. A, an incredible singer, B, everybody loved her the fans loved her and so i i and i don't think i realized at the time i that i should have been nervous i was just like let's do this you know i think when you're young and you have a lot of confidence and you just are put in a situation you just go for it so looking back at it now you know i just popped in there and you know i Acting was not my forte. Comedy, sketch comedy, I was good at. And singing, give me a song that was, you know, g- give me give me any song and I'll excel at that. But comedy, I was good at comedy and like that sketch comedy stuff. But that had, that was the first time I had done something like that. So memorizing lines was nerve wracking to me. They had already been doing this. So they were like really on top of it. So maybe that was the little bit of the learning curve where, I would feel nervous about, but they were so welcoming. and you know, since Sean knew me, and they welcomed me in, and everybody was so nice. and everybody was everybody was just super grateful to be there because it was like it was the funnest job. You got paid to just act like a crazy loon. <laughs> so, and the band was amazing. I mean, I can't say enough good things about it.
0: Did you hijack John Crane's chair?
1: You know what, I never was really into that chair. I always felt like it was gonna run over my foot. Because I was one of the older cast members. This is funny, Alex. So I was one of the older cast members at like age 26. Because we were supposed to be playing like, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds, right? I was, Sean was about my age. Maybe Sean might be one year older than me. So I was like, don't hurt your foot because they're gonna take you off for a week put a cast on you so I was like let those young whippersnappers get in there (laughs) like you know John uh, like Mark David and Mm -hmm. Mickey Duran was so young she was like a baby little cute Mickey and you know Natalie and I was probably one of the on the older end of it but I wasn't old at that time but looking back we were supposed to be playing like high school kids super
0: young kids yeah
1: so I definitely wasn't a high school kid. I mean, I looked young and youthful, but me and Sean were like the same age. And she played the mom and I was supposed to be her daughter. So that's where the disconnect was, I think, for the, for the fans and such, because I, I was kind of the same age and I was definitely more mature in my, how I carried myself, you know? Hmm.
0: Uh, was, is there a particular song that was your favorite to sing?
1: So, uh, I, I, I was thinking about that. So I think Ehrlich shared a lot of different songs. We sang a lot of duets together. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she would sing the ending song on the on the season we both were on together. And uh, sometimes I would sing the ending song. I, I was actually nominated for a um, ACE award, which was I think the MTV awards at that time, because mm-hmm. the show had gotten many nominations because it was so, kind of ahead of itself back then for kids, right? Mm-hmm. We already had In Living Color and um, Mad TV on, but nothing for kids like that. Yeah. So there was a song called um, I Still Believe, and I believe that's the one, I'm pretty sure, so long ago now, that I was nominated for Ace Award. And it's um, it's a ballady kind of mid-tempo And uh, I loved that song. But then there was a a musical bumper called Down to the Bottom. I'm going down to the bottom. I'm going down to the bottom. Do you remember that one, Alex?
0: I do. And uh... I
1: think that was super fun to sing because it was really guttural and kind of chest voicey. And that band was so incredible. So I don't know. Those two songs really stick out.
0: And and yes, you you are correct. Uh when we did the 30th anniversary, uh I think this question also came up from another, from another fan. And um you you're you're right uh because you did mention that song. And we actually played a little clip of the song in in our episode and uh Benny had confirmed that yes, that was one that they they got a uh, nomination for.
1: Yeah, we did not win, which we were like, okay, we get it, but we were just so excited to be nominated <laughs> and You know, I I mean, being 20, I think I was like 28, 26 or 28 when I was on that show. And again, I did not realize, and I remember, I I was watching as we were getting ready to do this. I I hadn't actually seen the episode that all of us did, Mm -hmm. where we all came together and you had posted it or somebody had posted it, a Mm -hmm. fan of mine, and said, Jen, I didn't even know you did this, I watched this. And so I was watching it and Julene was talking about, we didn't realize how good, like what, how good of a show this was. We were just doing a job and having so much fun. And, and it, that's really true. Julene was absolutely right about that. And I was thinking about, we, we, didn't, we didn't know like how amazing, we knew we had a great job. We were having an incredible time. We were around talented people, but we were not famous. You know, we weren't like walking the red carpet We were like a little show that was, you know, like that little engine that could, right? Mm -hmm. And the show really didn't get the kind of uh, attention and mass appeal that it should have, in my opinion. And everybody probably thinks that too. So it it is amazing that that show was just so amazing. It was so great and so well thought out. It was one of a kind, really.
0: Even to this day, it still doesn't get the recognition it deserves.
1: Yeah, and people, Even with my Sailor Moon concerts and stuff that I do with all the Sailor Moon, we'll get to that, I know. When I say, hey, did anybody watch Roundhouse? I still have people going, yeah, 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 Roundhouse. (laughs) But that's, you know, there's less of those than there is the Sailor Moon. I mean, my Mm -hmm. fan base for Sailor Moon is millions, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's, well, we'll talk about that.
0: <laughs> well uh we'll just uh we'll, we'll just do a couple more questions for roundhouse and then we'll segue absolutely
1: that's why we're here uh in, i'm in... sick and tired about sailor moon i talk about sailor moon all the time i miss <laughs> roundhouse let's go roundhouse <laughs>
0: uh we had, uh, we had a fan submit a question asking uh if you could have danced in the show uh what style <laughs> would you have wanted to, d- to uh, dance to
1: Well, okay, that's an interesting question. I actually did a lot of dancing for Mm -hmm. Disney Universal Studios. I worked at Tokyo Disneyland. I actually took jazz tap and ballet and was quite a good dancer prior to being on Roundhouse, but I was not the kind of dancer like Mickey and Ivan doing that kind of like hip Mm hoppy, uh those those people were so good at that and so much better i'm like just let me stick to singing and they had already been slotted to be those dancers (laughs) so i wasn't gonna try to compete with them although i probably could have done some of that you know some of those moves those dance moves but really i'm a singer first that could dance very well and i you know and i was a good mover and i did get hired as a dancer but since i came in you know and they were already established as those dancers you know because mickey wasn't a singer necessarily mm-hmm. she didn't sing lead she sang background so i wasn't going to step on what she excelled at so great you know what i mean yeah and i was i was like don't be trying to sing my song <laughs> just kidding <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding like i would not ever want to compete with mickey and natalie nucci's is amazing like me and sean didn't do any of the dancing Uh, Amy didn't either because they already had that kind of they already were like the fly girls and boys. They already had that. Yes. So I surely was glad that they weren't asking me to do any dancing.
0: (laughs) Well, we are right on time. We've got one more uh, roundhouse question and then we'll segue into the next And you had actually uh, alluded to this just a little bit earlier. What is something that you took from your experience working on Roundhouse that you carried with you for the rest of your career or potentially for the rest of your life?
1: That's a hard question. I I think that number one, I love working in an ensemble. There's nothing like working with other people and connecting through music acting, singing, dancing, whatever. There's nothing, like, Roundhouse was the most, like, theater that I could have done, Mm -hmm. right? I grew up doing uh, musical theater. That's what started my career back when I was five, back in San Jose, California, San Jose Children's Musical Theater, which is still around today. 50 years has been uh, giving the world a lot of professional people, so... uh, Th- that camaraderie and working in a cast of multiple talented people and and working off each other that that was i think that what's is what made it so special and um just the band the li- it was live the live mm-hmm. band everything about it was so unique i've never done another project like that since but i know i always have that to to ponder and to have great memories of and it you know it was a it was a great credit to have because the show in LA was very known and it was a great credit to have and it you know people know it and love it and so i think i just took away that i was grateful to be a part of it even if just for one season awesome
0: and uh we're going to segue into uh, sailor moon uh because you're right um roundhouse was once it was done it's kind just, of done it it was yeah. done uh nickelodeon at the time used to re-air a lot of their shows even after they've been canceled they would still keep them on the air for a long time roundhouse when it was done it just they, they just stopped
1: yeah and, uh, there's a whole story behind that too, the, there is
0: there is and we got into it a little bit uh, yeah, we the, we won't
1: get into it tonight. It'll make us sad.
0: Yeah, uh, but if anyone's interested in that conversation, go check out the 30th anniversary uh, that we did. Correct, uh, correct. But uh, still, whereas Sailor Moon, that got a lot of re-air time, and uh, that was playing a lot on Cartoon Network at the time, uh, which is where you get Well, there was a also
1: of- multiple, multiple seasons.
0: Yes, there were. Yes, there were. And uh, And I had actually told you, uh, before we started the episode, when we did the 30th anniversary, that my wife lost her mind because, I mean, she was there with... She, I introduced her to Roundhouse. Yeah. She had, she never saw it as a kid. And she thought this was really cool. And uh, I had a couple of my theater friends over and we were watching Roundhouse. We we did a whole block of Snick, and we watched... Ren and Stimpy, and they were laughing, and they watched Clarissa, they were laughing. Then we got to yeah. Roundhouse, and they were all glued, because I've i got a living room full of theater people, and they're yeah. all just enamored with it.
1: Yeah, and it's like theater everything. on TV, exactly. And,
0: and they were going, how have I never heard of this show before? And they I couldn't know. get over the dance, they couldn't get over the singing, the whole thing just really so worked. Good. And one of them yelled. Disney wished they had talent like this which I <laughs> thought was brilliant. But uh, <laughs> But the same group of people once I told them that I was going to be talking with uh the lady who did the uh, singing voice for Sailor Moon, my wife lost her mind at that point. And uh then whenever I had, I got excited and I was uh I had shared to some of my friends I'm I'm going to get to talk to uh Again, I've, I've phrased it the same way. The singing voice for Sailor Moon and Tamara Overall. Uh, she had actually commented, "Oh my God, I love Jennifer Seehee I was like, "Oh, okay, you know exactly who I'm talking about." <laughs> she's been. Following Is it because
1: she, cause she's a Sailor Moon fan first and foremost, right? She's a yeah. Sailor
0: Moon fan first, and uh, she follows you on Facebook, and uh, she's she's been a big fan too. I I don't know if she's met you at a con. She may have. I don't know, but uh, Sailor Moon, like you said, that it's it's huge. It's, yeah. How did you get involved in providing the singing voice for Sailor Moon?
1: It's almost kind of like a- by accident, Alex. Around the same time that I was doing Roundhouse, and I still can't even remember kind of which came first because all my big, big jobs kind of happened in the time of a three-year period, and some of them overlapped because when I was filming Roundhouse, we would, you know, I had an agent, so I would still get sent out for different things. Like, you know, I did a bunch of big jingles too, and we'll talk about that, but, um Excuse me. My agent sent me out uh, for this animated singing voice from Japan. And, and I was like, OK, what's that? I had lived in J- Japan in the mid 80s working for Tokyo Disneyland, but I didn't remember seeing any Sailor Moon. It was more like Speed Racer and Hello Kitty because Sailor yeah. Moon is very specific. The red, white and blue outfit, the long blonde hair with the big tails. I would have remembered that. When we lived in Japan, we thought that their cartoons was weird and odd. The weird big guys, The squeaky boys. And all this. We were like, this is horrible. This We thought it was horrible, their cartoons. Because we loved Looney Tunes and Scooby-Doo and Great Bape. And, you know, that's what we were watching. So I just went on an open call that my um, agent sent me on and I got the job. So... Sailor Moon was gonna be the first anime they were trying in the US. They were just gonna see if anime would be received by the American US audience. So they hadn't even voiced it yet with, this, with, the, with the voiceovers, with the, speak, you know, the speaking part. They knew that they wanted to have music for the show. I met up with the writers and the producers, spent multiple days in the studio, I got paid, you know, I got paid, it was non-union, so I kind of got paid a flat rate, which seemed good at the time. Not so good at the time, because I had no idea that it was going to be such a huge success. I would have negotiated more dough. But that's what happens when you're young and trying to work up the ranks and get jobs. You know, when they say you're going to get paid X, Y, and Z for a month's worth of work or two weeks worth of work, that sounded pretty good, right? And I seriously had no idea. I'm like, well, this is going to go nowhere. This is weird and freaky. These screeching voices, you know? And again, we didn't know if anime was going to be received positively in the U.S. market. Well, boy, was I wrong, and I'm thankful that I am, because a (laughs) 100 conventions later that I have recently done for Sailor Moon, it has kind of rebooted my career. I have over a million fan base, maybe two or three million fan base now. Sailor Moon is known by everybody, uh, you can go into Walmart, Hobby Lobby, Target, and there's Sailor Moon everywhere. Ten years ago, when I found out about that, it had that that I could be doing these conventions and that I could, you know, be reconnected with the series. Uh, I I had no clue that I had kind of become famous. I had no clue. So I'm grateful, and on on the back end, I'm doing quite well with it. But I'm not like a millionaire or anything. I'm I'm laughing that my Wikipedia says my Wiki, someone says Jennifer he's net worth is ten million dollars. I'm like, really? Where's the ten mil? <laughs> that goes to show you all that stuff's completely wrong.
0: Okay. Well, we don't really have a whole lot of time left. That was I, I love I loved every bit of that, but I do want to make sure that I get to uh Brett's question and then yeah. we'll we'll move on to uh, what we really want to talk about. For sure, uh, for sure. But his question was what do you enjoy most about singing for Sailor Moon and conversely, what did you find most difficult about the role
1: well I didn't find anything difficult about the role <laughs> because <laughs> because I just had to sing some songs and I mean, yeah. that's my forte uh, what I like you know doing the actual project was is quite boring story actually went in the studio, It was someone's home studio. I sang in their converted closet as a studio, um, as like a a vocal booth. We did the songs. There was a second album that came out. They hired a different producer, which was kind of this famous producer at the time. And we did that. That all is kind of a blur, because that's so long ago. Mm -hmm. What I love most about it now is getting to reboot myself as an artist, come back to the project, I mean i'm their katy perry it's crazy they cry when they meet me they stand in line for my autograph and i'm humbled and amazed that they love and enjoy these songs from 30 years ago so much so So, cool 50-something now of my career being in the business 44 years when I thought I was going to be phasing myself out, sort of. The entertainment industry is not kind to aging, white, older females. That's changing. But um, thank God. But i rebooted my career completely for the fifth time. And, And it's all because the fan base of Sailor Moon is so in love with those songs. That's awesome. So I, um, it's just, it's wild. And I'm, and I'm so grateful. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, so when, we had alluded to this uh, much earlier when we first started talking, uh, but when you had approached me with this beautiful idea, uh, this is going to take a, a, a hard left turn, but at the time in uh, pop culture, Jason David Frank, who was the, most famously known to be the Green Ranger on Power Rangers, and uh, also the uh, DJ on the Ellen DeGeneres show, they both had committed suicide. Yes, yes. And uh, now the reason that we're doing this at this part of the year is because the holidays are often very, very difficult for a lot of people. And you had actually told me that mental health awareness is something that is very, very, something you are incredibly passionate about. Yes. And that you also have a very deep, meaningful story that coincides with all this. Right, so right, I'm right. I'm going to take a step back and I'm just going to let you share your story.
1: Okay, so it's interesting. Uh, let's see. When I lived in L.A., I did not have any mental dis-ease that I could put a put a name tag on mm. why I think I was very successful in the music business is because I had a mental disease because I uh, so I am bipolar and and bipolar people often have so much energy and so much confidence and so much talent that it actually works very positively for them okay now the longer it becomes undiagnosed and untreated, that's when things can go horribly, horribly south. And looking back now in my 20s and, and uh, early 30s, I can see where I could notice little things that I was doing that I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Um, but it wasn't until uh, maybe my early to mid 30s that I started having like seasonal depression. And I was like, that's weird. What, okay. You know, I guess every, every summer I would kind of feel blue and, uh, you know, didn't think much of it because it would just go away after the summer it was actually, it was weird that it was during the summer, not the winter, usually during the winter months in the yeah. and the dark and rain, you know, but California is so sunny all the time. I, it, I was kind of the opposite of that. I wasn't the seasonal depression on the winter. It was the summers. So as I started to get older and I noticed okay, I'm really having this issue getting depressed for a few months out of the out of the month, out of the year. So long story short, it got worse and worse and worse. And I started spending more time in the depression down energy than I did in the up. And of course, being bipolar, you have extreme highs and lows. And uh, I'm not ashamed to say this, but bipolar disorder is really hard and can be very devastating. And a lot of people um, have horrible experiences, but it also can, in the entertainment business, I can name you 10 celebrities Mm -hmm. that had it too, if I needed to right now. And uh, most of them are comedians and most of them are not on the planet anymore. Mm -hmm. So... I felt like it was it was a it was a DNA that I was born with and I, I advocated for myself and I wouldn't give up on myself and I kept trying to figure out what it was because I didn't figure out right away that name tag, okay? I just thought I was depressed. Then my mom and dad were like, Well, you know, you have a stressful job and let's support you. And I went to doctors and this and everything, you know, all the way around. Moved to Nashville tennessee in my mid-30s and for some reason moving to nashville because i was untreated and undiagnosed it got incredibly worse and some other really horrible things happened to me and uh, that's when i was like well whoa i almost kind of lost my life actually Mm -hmm. thankfully i had great support great friends great family great parents that really guided me through and I didn't give up on myself so I had a friend tell me I had a really good girlfriend that really helped me get through this it was probably the worst the worst time would probably lasted about 10 years on and up and down and all around I'd be on one medication I'd feel good for a while then I'd go crazy and end up not being well and then i'd take a medicine and it was you know i i got a dui and and i and i, I want to tell people this because i i was so ashamed that that happened but this happens daily to people and i want people mm-hmm. to know they can get out of this because when i was in it i just the guilt and shame of just that was horrific Now, nowadays, with big celebrities coming out, me getting a DUI is nothing to what Demi Lovato went through. Okay, she almost OD'd a few times. She has a whole documentary about it. All these different celebrities are coming out. I'm not a celebrity like that. I'm a little baby celebrity compared to that. My voice isn't big enough to help the masses, but what I'm passionate and so uh, wanting to have the conversation is that I know people that couldn't get it together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was so low and not suicidal, but no hope. I could have been dead a couple of different times, but I wasn't and I'm doing thriving and doing great now because I didn't give up on myself. Mm-hmm. So that's the message. That's what I wanna talk about. I, I think that the stigma of mental health I think people are so afraid to name it. That is changing. Even in the last year since we've been talking about this Alex, I think celebrities are coming to the forefront and helping that, and mm. I'm so grateful to see that. But it is a it really sucks when you're depressed and it sucks when you have a diagnosis and it sucks when you when you when you some people want to name it something else. Some people say, "Well, I'm an alcoholic. That's more acceptable to be an alcoholic." than to say you have mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Because people are so afraid and, and, and the world looks at mental health as very scary because yes, schizophrenia uh, can be very scary, bipolar disorder can be very scary, but there's medication for all of this, there's help for all of this, and I'm thriving and doing amazing. So I want people to know and to feel that they can get better. And having a diagnosis doesn't mean you're done in the world. Mm-hmm. Does that it, make sense?
0: Yes, absolutely. That's uh, very, very much. I understand that there are. And, and this is all just pure understanding because I don't I don't have these problems. But which Good, is
1: what, I'm glad you don't. <laughs> which is
0: why I am I really want to have somebody who, who has had experience in this. Uh, so that way it's not just yes, I understand. But then we have somebody who says, yes, I can relate, which is a whole different uh, situation because, yes, I understand that there's a lot of stigma around mental health awareness and things or like just that. just
1: diagnosis. Yes.
0: Yeah. And they're afraid of, well, what if I go see a doctor and I find out that I have a problem? Right. You, you already have a problem, dear. You, you're addressing yeah. it. You've got all these all these symptoms that You're you not are doing, doing yourself to
1: yourself—you're yeah. not doing yourself a favor yes. in being in the aisle of it. Which multiple, you know, men especially have a hard time uh, accepting the, if they have a diagnosis because the society mm-hmm. tells us, you know, n- you know, men aren't supposed to feel; they're not supposed to be emotional. You know, women are supposed to be the more, mm-hmm. you know, mothering and nurturing. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and there is absolutely nothing, nothing wrong with going to a doctor and getting yourself checked out. And it doesn't matter if it's if it's a doctor who checks on your physical health or a therapist or someone to help you figure out why are you feeling the way you're feeling, what to do. What was you, you actually
1: need all three. You need mm-hmm. all three of them. You need your primary care. Mm-hmm. you need a therapist and you need a psychiatrist you need mm-hmm. all three of those and then the support of your friends and family yes. that's the only way you're going to be well and a lot of people don't know that i could give mm-hmm. you a recipe for
0: it and there's nothing there's no, nothing bad about finding out what's wrong with you not necessarily what's <laughs> wrong with you but finding out what it is that you're is going on with you let's face it that right. way so that right. way you can get the treatment that you need to have so you can improve your outlook on things.
1: Let me put it this way. If you had cancer or diabetes, you would go take insulin or Mm -hmm. you would go to a doctor and have radiation or chemo. Why is that so accepted? And there's no shame around that, but Mm -hmm. you tell someone they have a mental illness and oh, they don't talk to them. They're scary. They're gonna do something wrong.
0: Mm -hmm. And, like you said, there, there's be, there's beginning to become more of an awareness for it, not just with celebrities coming out, but also jobs are starting to recognize this now. And some schools are starting to recognize this now.
1: Which is awesome. I'm so happy and pleased about this.
0: And if there are jobs, if you have one of those jobs where your boss does not recognize it, doesn't understand it,
1: yeah.
0: go. Please go. You, you don't need that in your life. Right. Uh, sur- surround yourself as much as you can. I know that's not always the answer uh, depending on people's situations, but still some- something has to be done.
1: Well, um, the, s- the spectrum of mental health um, diagnosis used to be five, mm-hmm. like bipolar, depression, uh, schizophrenia, autism, not autism. There was there's five main components. Now, Autism and the spectrum is all become sort of one umbrella, mm-hmm. even alcoholism. And they're saying, even uh, eating disorders and uh, transgender like that's all kind of under the same umbrella, which I think is interesting and great at the same time. Because, guess what? Why can't we all support each other? Yes, these are all. These are all things we may have been born with or situations that happened to us. Let's commune together and help each other get through it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be scary. Unfortunately, the news will show us something. Oh, they had mental health and they went crazy and stabbed their person. Yeah, how many 48 hours and 60 minutes have we seen with that scenario? Because that person was not getting help for themselves. And it is scary because people think, "Oh my gosh, post-traumatic, P- you know, PSTD, right?" So post-traumatic stress disorder from being in the in the military or the service. I mean, I could go on and name the umbrella is like a thousand titles now. It used to be the five main mental diseases. Yeah, it's very different scope now, and I'm glad that even alcoholism, they're saying, you know. M- Most often, someone who has a mental health disorder has a dual diagnosis of addiction or gambling problems, sex addiction, eating disorder, whatever. There's never just one thing. They often, to to handle and to help deal with their mental health issues they go to something else Mm -hmm. that's when it becomes very problematic and that's why people commit suicide Mm -hmm. they you know die in a in a in a drug-induced situation like a dui and they kill other people or they kill themselves or they it's just the list can go on and that's that's what's so that's why I'm so passionate about it. Cause if I got through it and I, if I can do it, I know that there is hope for other people mm-hmm. that can do it too. Cause some people feel hopeless Yes. and they may not have the support that I did. Mm-hmm. They may not have parents that were well, they may not have friends. They may not have any parents at all. And so then guess what happens? They die or overdose or just, are homeless and then they're out there crazy on the side of the road, talking to themselves. We've all seen those people. Mm -hmm.
0: And uh, I know that this is for all of you slamsters who are listening. This is very, very different type of conversations that we've ever had on the show before because usually we talk very light and fun and we like to enjoy the nostalgia and every once in a while we would dip a toe into something that's very deep and meaningful but this particular instance being this very very sincere and really deep type conversation the reason we're bringing this up is one because it's an experience that that you have had but also it's Thanksgiving, or by the time this this episode will release, it'll be just after Thanksgiving and between Christmas. Yeah. And um, I know that there are people out there probably listening to this episode who are experiencing depression in some form. And just from your experience with the thousands and thousands and thousands of people that you've met doing conventions, how often do you hear someone confess to you that they've been struggling in some capacity with depression
1: every single time every single time i go to these conventions uh i I hear people either being on the spectrum and battling different things and uh or they or the sailor moon or just anime in general helps them with their mental health disease Mm-hmm. Because they found a community, other people like-minded to them. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it used to be back in the day that conventions were like kind of the dorks of the world, right? The, the, the geeks of the world. But now geek is chic and cool. To be the, the star football player and the blonde, beautiful cheerleader isn't as cool as it used to be maybe even five years ago. Being the brainiac that can do an amazing things on a computer and cosplays and something really cool. That's cool now. And I love Mm. that we are giving the underdogs of the world, a a place and a time to sparkle like a diamond. That's Mm. what I love about doing these conventions. It's, it's beautiful to see.
0: Well, for those who are listening and know somebody, who is struggling in some capacity that we've uh, addressed, what advice would you give to them on how to look after somebody who is struggling with mental dis-ease?
1: Okay, so I'm gonna give uh, a few few little um, nuggets of information. There is an organization called NAMI N-A-M-I, it's US-wide, it's in every major city, National Alliance for the Mentally Ill. Uh, They offer amazing free classes and it's like AA for mental health. And uh, they are just a bevy and a loving community. I've been involved in NAMI for multiple years. I did a huge benefit for them last year, a kind of a Sailor Moon uh, um, fundraiser and we raised money for nami for the for the tennessee sector uh there's also uh you know the 1-800 numbers that you can call and and you can google that i'm i'm, I'm not gonna we can put that maybe up on the screen later um alex
0: i will i will absolutely have links to all these uh in yeah, the description for the episode this
1: time in, in 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 the holidays people need to know that There is help out there. Mm -hmm. Also, it is very key and important to not keep this to yourself. Mm -hmm. Most people don't feel comfortable talking about anything that's negative in their body. Yeah. I had great parents and friends and I was very open about my struggle. Some people and, and it's really sad to me. I've learned recently that, um, Some parents that had their kids have committed suicide, parents had no idea that the Mm -hmm. kids were feeling any one iota of depression or anything. And what is sad to me is the kids, and it has nothing to do with what the parents did, right or wrong. I think there's just so much shame around it and people don't feel like whether, I mean, even if you go to, if you're at school and you talk to a teacher or a counselor, talk about it. There's so many resources now. And even in schools, they have a therapist. A lot of schools now, they have like, not a counselor, but like a like a, a certified therapist that'll talk through like bullying or, you know, it, it trickles down to many other things. But I think talking about it, there is an amazing resource of, of things that can help you out of that darkness. The problem is People get down so dark, they don't even have the energy to climb one step on the ladder to ask for help because they've waited so long to have any conversation. And that's what hurts my heart so much. So many kids are committing suicide. There's so many problems in school. All these people that are shooting at schools, all of those people had mental health issues after they've interviewed the families. And, and most of them had some mental disease that was undiagnosed or untreated. That's the n- number one nucleus of the problem. It was untreated. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have the support. They didn't have the parents or, or whatever. Even if you go to one teacher at your school, because it starts young, it's you, know, you can get a handle on it, 16 through 19, if, if you're okay to talk about it, I didn't even have any real problems till my 30s, but I could track back now, looking back in my life, that I did have problems. But thank God I came through it on, on a positive side.
0: Yeah, you know, the, this definitely something that you and I had actually uh, discussed a, a little bit. If you don't talk about it, nothing will get done about it. Uh, there is no shame in just talking about it. Start somewhere, start small. Uh, and I don't care if it's with a friend or with a family at member
1: church. at your church or your school, whatever, right
0: yeah, start, start with someone that you trust and just let them know i'm I'm having some problems. and yeah. uh, if someone comes to you, and is letting the, letting you know i'm having right. a hard time right now listen to yeah. them and be there for them and encourage them and like i said i'm going to put every one of those uh i'm going to put nami and uh he's I-
1: an amazing amazing organization there's other ones like that but that's mm-hmm. the one that i is near and dear to me But um, of course, there's a national hotline for depression and or suicide. And we'll put that up on the.
0: Yes, I'm absolutely going to add that in the description. So please utilize that as a tool. And uh, I'm even going to open it up here for me. Uh, We've begun to develop something of a community uh, with other podcasters and also with the people who have been listening. If you guys are struggling with something and you don't have anybody to talk to, Send us, send me an email. I'll be happy to listen to you. Uh, you need, we need people. We need a community support. of people. You who, need support. Yes, absolutely, absolutely.
1: It, it also helps to to hear people's stories yes. that have been on the ground and at the worst possible scenario, but they made it through. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go at another step. My sister, who I've told you about, Alex. Yes. My sister, who's a couple years older than me, we both share the same mental health issues. She could not pull it together. Mm-hmm. And two years ago, she derailed her life and uh, just couldn't pull it together with the mental health. She had a dual diagnosis of alcoholism as well. And uh, she um, um, we found her pretty close to death two Septembers ago, and the last two years I have spent, me and my other sister has spent uh, putting her in a nursing home and her life is horribly, horribly different. And her quality of life will never be the same. And she has brain damage. And she lives in a nursing home at 63 years old because she, the world was too big for her. She couldn't stay on the medication. She didn't want to stay in therapy, and she ruined her life. And that is so sad and devastating to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know she, I, I, it's it's interesting because I see her and I think I'm her baby sister. and yeah. we had a similar diagnosis, and I pulled it together. And I kept thinking, well, she was doing well. She can pull it together too. So it's interesting in the same family, one is thriving and one is not. So what was the disconnect there? What could I have done differently? What could my parents have done differently? Really nothing. It's up to the person of the diagnosis to stay on track. I stayed on track with the right medicine, the right milligrams, the right doctors. Did I go off track? Heck yes, and I'll admit it every time. Do I still have to work hard on keeping my mental health in check? 1000%. Does it get easier now because I've been well? Yes. And now I'm a huge advocate and I help tons of other people. And that's my passion project. And music Mm -hmm. is part of that.
0: Yeah, like anything, it takes work. And everything, everything takes work. Uh, If if it's in a relationship, you don't have a relationship with a person, you have to put work into it. You want to be successful in anything, whether it be a business or a personal project, you have to put work (laughs) into it. And if you are struggling in some form with, as we've been phrasing it, mental dis-ease, you have to put work into it. If you do nothing but stand there and become complacent, it is a dangerous place to be. A step forward, no matter how small, a step forward. And, no and small, most likely,
1: yeah, likely you'll lose your life. Yes. Whether you lose it, meaning go, meaning you pass away and die, or you're in life and you're a zombie because you're not well. Mm-hmm. So you lose either way.
0: Yeah. So, so
1: that, that's what we're trying to bring awareness to, trying to help uh, people understand that they can get they can get help they that they can be well some mm-hmm. people have no hope and that's that is it not having hope is a huge huge problem yes and so i'm here to say hey if i did it and i could do it i know that other people can too yes
0: so for this holiday season all of you who are listening if you have family, fantastic. You have friends and loved ones that want to be there with you and encourage you support you. Fantastic. Be with them. If you are struggling, talk to somebody. And if yes. we've got tools that are in the description, use them if you need to. And if you have no one and you need someone to talk with, Splat Attack is here, honestly. So thank you all of you for listening and for I don't want to say enduring, but but I would say opening your mind to something that we don't normally address on the show, but is something that both Brett and myself, and very Honor, honestly necessary. Jennifer, It's yes. very
1: necessary, yes, and it doesn't have to be so scary. No,
0: it's it's serious. We take this very yeah. sincerely, but it's not yeah. scary. So, no, I'm going to
1: leave you a. I'm going to leave you with something, Alex. Go for it. Whenever my life gets me so down, I know I can go down to where the music and the fun never ends. As long as the music keeps playing, you know what I'm saying. I know that I can find a friend. Down at the house.
0: Yes! I love it so much. I I, I can't. I can't not smile every time I hear that song. I absolutely love it so much.
1: We have to end this show on a positive note. Yes,
0: yes, absolutely. I have to
1: say, music is healing. Music is amazing. Uh, You know, this was a hard conversation, but guess what? We're here to help, Mm. and I'm here to help. You know, I want you to also put in the comments or in, you know, when you put up all the stuff. Sure you can give out my information, my email. I'm such an advocate. I don't, you know, if someone needs to reach out to me because they feel a connection with me, I absolutely want that to happen.
0: And I do want to say also, because I told you this, but for those of you who are listening also, uh, because you had alluded to earlier that you are a a, a, a baby celebrity compared to the ones who are coming out and uh, doing wonderful, wonderful things. The one thing that I love about this community that we're, we're building is, and especially with the actors that we're establishing connection with. Yeah. There is a lot of personable people out there. And that is what makes you so special is even though you aren't say Katy Perry level or Lady Gaga level, they're, they're too busy. Uh, They are swamped with, hordes and hordes and hordes of people Right. whereas you have the opportunity to get on the ground floor and meet fans face to face and hug and support and be there for them which is what they need and and yeah. i absolutely adore that about you so thank you so much for helping as many people as you, as you have and for any future people that we're that will end up helping with through this uh, adventure together. So thank it you. It is
1: my pleasure and I'm passionate about it and maybe there is more conversation to come, Alex.
0: Mm-hmm. This isn't this isn't the end of the conversation. It's just a part of it. Uh yeah. so if all of you are listening, you want to carry the conversation on, please do. The more we talk about this, the easier it will be to open up and talk about these things so thank you thank
1: you for having me thank you what a beautiful conversation have a wonderful holiday and just remember guys act out of love not fear
0: absolutely thank you so much jennifer as for the rest of the rest of you guys
1: Weird. Oh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. The devil. The devil made me do it, <laughs> Alex. Oh, look. Rainbow bright. Rainbow bright. Crossing the rainbow bridge. <laughs> okay, let's not do that. Oh, too bright. Ay, ay, ay. This is a new ring light that I've gotten. It stands. It's a small one, which is cool. And I, I'm the first time that was using good. it. I'm glad I. Okay, wait. Let's go down. I want. I wanted the background. Why does it look so dark in the back? I don't want to look like I'm in a cave. That looks weird.